Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome back a good friend and weekly prayer partner of mine, Larry Silver, to share with us about his book about the spirit of oneness. Among other hats that Larry wears, he's an author, a filmmaker, and my prayer partner and book editor. On his first visit, Larry shared about his book about spiritual identity. I'll link that episode below this one on the pattyej.podbean.com site for this episode. Welcome back, Larry. Thank you, Patty. Appreciate it. I guess uh, we must have done all right, or I wouldn't have been asked to come back. (laughs) (laughs) We sure did. All right. So let's begin with what is the spirit of oneness? Well, I kind of like the dictionary definition, and we can kind of attach some spiritual meaning, but it says it's the fact or state of being unified or whole, though comprised of two or more parts. So one part of oneness is that you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And obviously in the body of Christ, there's many parts. And then the second definition as a noun is the fact or state of being one in number or belief in the oneness of God. So even the dictionary, the secular dictionary uh, acknowledges that oneness is a spiritual charged word. Hmm, and uh, yeah, so I like those definitions. And I think that there's a revelation in the spirit to really understand the depth of it. And it's kind of like the Trinity. It's hard to understand. Well, yeah, that's a great segue sort of how can we learn about oneness from Jesus and the Trinity? Well, I think that's the only way we're going to learn because the oneness that Jesus prays about in John 17, specifically verses 20 to 23, is the oneness that he and his father have. He wants us to emulate that, Patty. And I can say that that's actually not an easy thing to do unless the Spirit of God and the glory of God help us. We actually have no chance of doing it. But Since Jesus prayed it for us as his high priestly prayer and the most important prayer uh, before his earthly ministry was over, I would say that he's not teasing us, that we can actually have oneness together with God and with one another. But there are certain things that have to happen for us to accomplish that. But I will say it's not an easy thing. We see Jesus as the Prince of Oneness. He stands alone as the Prince of Oneness because, and I know this is one of your favorite verses, but he only both did and spoke what he saw and heard his father teaching him. He didn't take any initiative on his own. I think we need to learn to do that in our lives if we have any chance of accomplishing oneness and Jesus' prayer. Yeah, people who've been listening to this podcast long enough, um, I hope have that verse memorized, John 5, 19. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the only time he said it. He said it many, many times yes. that uh, that he is completely surrendered to. And, and the other thing that I like to teach about is the Christ identity, which is the same thing, isn't it? It's the surrendering of the self to God and allowing him to transform you. So that is what you're talking about, isn't it? 
I agree with that completely, Patty. And, you know, the best verse on transformation is Corinthians 3.18, where, you know, the way that we're transformed from one degree of glory to the next is by beholding and reflecting Jesus. So it's not an outward thing. It's something we have to do inwardly in order to become like Jesus. We have to learn about Jesus, and we have to start to reflect and internalize how Jesus lived his life and his inward desires. Those desires and goals have to become our desires and our goals. Right. But I, I like a kind of an impediment that we teasingly say, I heard this expression years ago in the 80s by a church pastor. He said, to live above with the saints we love, that is glory. To live below with the saints we know, that's another story. <laughs> and I think that that impediment that, you know, we know that we want to be with our fellow believers, especially our loved ones, but it's really, it's another story to live that practically and to be successful. And I would say the people that are being successful at that, at that have very powerful ministries because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it does require humility, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. Yeah, that's what it really requires. So we see oneness all over the place. Share an example of a picture of oneness that people are witnessing every day and might not realize it. Well, I think God reveals himself in different ways, and certainly there's a lot of pictures of oneness. But Let's talk about nature. Nature, according to Romans 1, is God's creation to the world. And Romans 1 says that God has revealed himself to all of mankind through nature, through mm -hmm. what he's created, so that men are actually without excuse. So a general revelation that God has is nature. His mm -hmm. creation is so intricate and such a mosaic so uh, woven together perfectly. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we, you and I have heard so many times that if the earth was any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If it was any further away, we'd be in the ice age and we would all die. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything, just the way the world is hung on its axis and revolves around the sun mm -hmm. and the way, you know, we have oxygen to breathe and and go out with carbon dioxide, and just the whole way nature is woven together mm -hmm. as a tapestry is a big proof that God exists. Oh, yeah. And I addressed that in an episode that I did on the skeptics conundrums about the realness of God. But one of the things I learned when I was doing that episode is that everything in nature, except for humans, naturally obeys God. And because of our free will, we're the only ones that have to struggle to obey God. And so we see in nature exactly how animals and plants and everything created is actually naturally in oneness with God. And we have the ability to do that, of course, but for us, it's conscious. It's a, it's a conscious thing that we have to choose, right? And I think we... I agree with that. And I think that we have to be aware that, you know, you and I both are animal lovers. I mean, I have two dogs and a cat and 
I mean, we can learn a lot from our animals. Oh, yeah. There's an unconditional love that's all over some of these animals. You can see it. Yeah. And they're smart. They know what they can get away with and what they can't. And they know <laughs> the lines that are there. We have trouble knowing what our lines are. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one of the scriptures that I just want to mention as we talk about nature is that nature reveals God. But with mankind, we have so many things going on in our lives. Things are complicated with relationships, with our work with our religious spiritual life. But there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 2.16, and it talks about the fact that we need wisdom to have God's mind and to make decisions. Mm -hmm. But it does say there that we as Christians have the mind of Christ. Yes. And I love that verse. I love the fact that it says we already have that mind. Mm -hmm. And I think even as we look at the picture that we're talking about today, nature, that we need to open our mind, the mind of Christ, to nature and see God there. Mm -hmm. And I admit, sister, that this is not an easy area for me because I grew up in the city of Philadelphia. I was a city boy. And uh, I'm still learning to appreciate, at 60 years old, I'm still learning to appreciate nature and to notice it and observe it. And, you know, to smell the roses a little bit because... It's not my natural upbringing and environment to uh, to pay attention to nature. Yeah, and it is a choice to notice things, right? I mean, to yes. realize, to slow down enough to really pay attention to uh, what the Lord is actually showing. So how has God equipped us to live in oneness in spite of the challenges of life? Well, I think that if we look at John 17, Jesus says, I have given them the glory that they may be one. And again, I want to talk a little bit about nature. I've got some examples in my book how nature does this, and certain creatures do this. <laughs> I was at the San Diego Zoo years ago, and it was a dreary day, and I went in, and there was a uh, a group of penguins frolicking around and uh, having so much fun in the, on this dreary day. And they just knew how to be together. They knew how to have fun. They were coming up out of the water in sync with each other mm -hmm. in a way that no choreography could ever perform. And they were just together in unison and just slipping and sliding and doing everything together. And I thought, that this is an amazing community. Yeah. Now, with the church, if we apply that to the church, mm -hmm. God has given us his glory, and we see how the Father and the Son were one. And Jesus is praying, God, can you make the believers like this? Like this picture of you and I? Mm -hmm. Like this picture that he's created in nature? And the answer is, by God's glory, by his indwelling spirit, mm -hmm. we can take all our differences as Christians, and we can learn how to meld them together in a way that is a tapestry, just like nature is a tapestry. Mm -hmm. And we can learn to function in a healthy, loving way together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the principles that I want to talk about is fellowship, which I share in my book as relational communion, because fellowship can be an overused term, Patty, but we have to learn how to fellowship together so that our differences don't stop us every time we need to do something together. Every time a decision has to be made, mm -hmm. you know, every time we have to work together, 
we have to learn, you know, how, who's leading? How are we functioning? What are our gifts and abilities? What's the best way to bring the outcome together? And honestly, I think most Christians aren't very good at this. Well, quite honestly, the who is leading is always, if you're doing this right in the spirit of oneness and fellowship, the one who's leading is God. And yes. so you talk about living in sync. Literally, the only way to do that is to tune to the indwelling spirit and tap into his mind, will, and emotion and allow yourself to be led by his leading. And when you're doing that with others, if you have a group of people that know how to do that, they know how to tune to the flow of the Holy Spirit, they know how the Lord is going to speak to them uniquely about what they're offering to the table, the part they play in doing something together, then fellowship would naturally occur. And people would be like the penguins or the picture I saw when you were speaking about penguins was the way the birds, I remember watching birds like almost training to be in sync before going off in the winter time. And then you see the, the V mark they make when they fly together. They're, yes, they're learning mm -hmm. together how to tune to each other and be in oneness. Now, the only way to do that in my understanding, Larry, is that know how to tap into the indwelling spirit of the Holy Spirit and allow him to guide you. I agree with that. You know, when the when the geese fly in that V formation, they actually don't even have a leader. And the ones that are in the front of the V are taking the brunt of the wind and the friction of the air. And it's very tiring. So what they do is they rotate. They keep mm -hmm. rotating to the front and then going to the back. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, they're able to work together and fly in the most efe efficient, effective way. And again, what you're saying is true. We have to learn to tap into the spirit. We have to learn to tap into the mind of Christ. If uh, if you've ever seen a group of people, even elders, trying to make a decision together, and I, I'm an elder in my church, and we many times have to make decisions that are not easy decisions. And I encourage uh, our elders, let's get the mind of Christ on this topic, on this area. Does anyone have a principle from the Bible, from the Word of God that applies? Because if there's 10 elders and there's 10 opinions in the flesh of how we feel about something, we're never going to be able to make a decision. We have to humble ourselves, like you've said. We have to let go of our own opinions and our own thinking, and we have to tap into the Spirit and say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the best solution is. But help us to see what your mind is on this topic, on this instance. Amen. And I've been able to facilitate a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations that were successful because I set it up as, you know, let's be open. Let's mm -hmm. have a spirit of humility. Let's submit ourselves one to another. None of us really know what the best thing is, but together we'll, we'll decide before the Lord what is his mind on this matter? Amen. And I'm telling you, fellowship is a wonderful thing. If it's done in the way that you and I are saying, mm -hmm. it almost always is successful. Almost oh, always. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it wouldn't be if you're surrendered to the Lord as a group 
Yes. It will be successful, right? It is. It really is. The problem is there could be one person that has a strong opinion. I remember we were struggling with a sin issue as elders and uh, the the person that we were going to ask to step down had another role in the church and it was a gray area. It wasn't a black and white area. Should we allow this person to continue to serve? Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, there were such strong opinions. Mm-hmm. So I asked them, what biblical principle applies to this? This is a gray area. Can anyone give me a principle? And nobody in the group could give me a verse or a passage that applied to the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it dealt with music. It dealt with different things, a different role in the church. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a leadership role. Mm-hmm. So what we had was a bunch of different opinions And I had to share at the end, I said, if everybody feels strongly that this person shouldn't function in this way, I will submit to you. But let's everyone be open to submitting to the fact that maybe the person should do that. My fellow elders struggled greatly with that Mm -hmm. so that we actually weren't able to make a decision. I tabled it and said, please pray and get the mind of Christ together. So Mm -hmm. when we come back, we have you know, not just our opinions, but a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, of course, our fellow elder ended up leaving the church and solving the the dilemma for us. But I realized, all right, you know, we're we're not far along in our understanding of oneness and how to make decisions together. And I, it was a humble confession for me, but I saw where we were at, Patty, and we needed to learn how to walk together in the spirit and how to know one another after the spirit. Even though we were elders and we we each had our own you know maturity that we were bringing to the table, right. it didn't mean that we knew how to walk together in this oneness. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, you bring up an important point about what gets in the way of oneness, I believe, and that's majoring in the minors. Having things, even biblical things that are of lower importance, getting in the way of things of greater importance in the Bible. And that is uh, one of the reasons there are 33,000 denominations of Christianity, people dividing over things they think they understand in their head and not surrendering to the Lord and asking the author of Scripture what he meant by it. That's a, a really good point. What practical step can a listener take to align themselves with the spirit of oneness? Like today, what step can be taken today? I want to speak from my own experience because I feel that the Lord has taught me a lot about this topic. 35 years ago, Patty, I created a mission statement for my life, and it comes from John 17. And my mission statement is four words, fulfill John 17 oneness. And I've kept that uh, mission statement for about 35 years. I haven't lived it perfectly, but when I first started 35 years ago, I made the commitment. I said, Lord, I want to be one with you. And as I went through this process of trying to be crucified with Christ and and walk in oneness with the Lord, the Lord kind of showed me that I was in the undergraduate school of oneness. That's what I called it. (laughs) And I had a lot of lessons to learn and I failed and then I'd fail and then I would succeed after a few tries. And the more I was in the undergraduate school of oneness, the more I started seeing a pattern 
that if I could be crucified with Christ, mm. I could be one with the Lord. But if I wasn't willing to be crucified, there was no easy way to be one. So Jesus is both the easiest and the hardest person to get to know. If you're crucified, he's very easy to get to know. And I think people will find him to be the most affable, the most winsome, the most easygoing, and you know, really just the best person that's ever existed or ever will. But if you're not willing to be crucified, it's almost impossible to be one with the Lord because it takes strong sacrifice, strong commitment to be willing to get in sync with the Lord. Because really what you think is that you're independent and that you don't need the Lord. If you didn't think that, then why can't you get alongside him and get in sync with him? Mm -hmm. It's only because you and your flesh and the world and the devil are getting in the way. So after a while, I would say about two years, I passed all the tests and the Lord said, now be one with your wife. Mm. And I learned that I have to work myself out to the world in oneness. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of succeeded from heaven down to the earth. I had some success, but I also realized if my spouse isn't willing to be one with me or if they have the same impediments that I have, or even a brother and sister in our churches, uh, it's almost impossible to be one with someone who's not willing to do the same things I just explained between us and God. So I think the practical step is really work on your relationship with God and pass those tests of oneness that the Lord will bring to you, mm -hmm. dealing with your own struggles, your own flesh. Uh, your own unwillingness to walk in the spirit and to be crucified with Christ. Because really, if you try to crucify yourself, Patty, you always have one limb left flailing around. <laughs> I learned you can't do it on your own. Yeah. So what you really mean by crucify yourself is, is surrender, humility. It's to let die the things of you that keep you from God. And yes. to allow those parts of you to go and you know on one hand no one ever does that perfectly right except for jesus himself and he the was prince, that yeah. long before he became a person <laughs> that's his trinity role nobody's ever going to do this perfectly but um it really is about being willing to see the parts of you that get in the way of your relationship with god and with others being Starting working. with your relationship with God, because right. if you can walk in oneness with God, you're working your way out to people. And it takes openness. It takes a spirit of submission. It takes mm -hmm. fellowship. It takes love. Yeah. These are all the principles of oneness that the Bible teaches. God's worked on me in all these areas. I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't arrived. But, you know, I just want to be a prince of oneness. I don't have to be the prince of oneness or mm -hmm. a princess of oneness if you're a sister. Mm -hmm. So work on your relationship with the Lord. It'll naturally flow to working on your relationship with others. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I can help at all by people reading the book and understanding what they have to do, that's why I wrote the book, because God took me on through the undergraduate school onto the graduate school of oneness and by making that progress, it has helped my life so much. It's really a key to spiritual growth, Patty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it 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 would be because looking at it connected to humility. I remember 
reading, and I can't remember the source at the moment, but that there is no greater fertile ground for your heart to grow and transform than humility. And that's exactly what we've been talking about today. Larry, will you give us a prayer that we can anchor ourselves to work on this, the spirit of oneness? Absolutely. And I, I heard of a revival breaking out in Texas years ago. All they did was circle up and they prayed this prayer. Lord, make us one together. Make us one according to your prayer in John 17. We don't completely understand how you and the Father are one, but we commit ourselves to it by revelation in the Spirit. You can teach us how to enter this school, this school of oneness that you say when it's fulfilled and when we perfect it and when we make progress in it, that the world will know that the Father sent the Son and that the Father has loved us. So we will actually fulfill, Lord, the Great Commission if you help us to answer this prayer. And we're asking it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you so much for coming, Larry, once again. And we will also include the link to your book on oneness below this episode on the pattyej.podbean.com site. Stick around so we can hear from Jesus what he had to say about the spirit of oneness and so that you can experience your Jesus encounter. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Patty. God bless. God bless you. Here's what the Lord had to say about the spirit of oneness. It is ultimately the fruit of humility and partnership. Honoring me first with surrendering your all so that the self stuff that gets in the way can be removed allows you to honor others as you honor me. This is a picture of the life lived out of the two greatest commandments, Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And Jesus replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, unselfishly seek the best or the higher good for others. When you obey the first commandment, you naturally obey the second, because there's more of me in you, and you are flowing out of me. My kingdom plan is accomplished by willing servants who desire first to humble themselves and give me their all, and then I can connect, bless, and work through them in partnership with others. It is a beautiful thing to see my body moving in sync with my will and purposes, each giving and serving according to their gifting and my plans for them. This is our heart's desire. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. 
If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. In today's encounter, Jesus is going to take you on a very fun follow-the-leader adventure. He's going to take you to new places sometimes in your special place and sometimes elsewhere. But you must follow his lead and allow him to teach you through the challenges that he's going to lead you through in this fun, creative partnership exercise. Allow God to be the leader and take all the time you need. Record it all in your journal. Well, I hope you learned a little bit today about the spirit of oneness, humility, and the importance of partnering with people for accomplishing the plans that God has for you and others in cooperation with him and other people. Would you like to know how to go deeper with God? I want you to prayerfully consider attending the Deeper Spirit Life Workshop May 12th to 14th, 2023, on the shores of Lake Erie, near Cleveland, Ohio. God's glory has the power to transform you in an instant. What could God do with you and through you if you learned how to quiet yourself and gaze long enough for God's glory to transform you? Gazing is a long look, while glancing is a short one. When you gaze at Jesus, he gazes back, and his glory flows where his eyes are fixed. In God's glory, there is peace, healing, and clarity of purpose and direction. Learn how to stay in God's presence long enough for him to transform you into the Christ you that he died for you to become, your Christ's perfected identity. You can expect expertly facilitated Jesus encounters and plenty of time to connect with God in this workshop. For more information and to register, check out spiritlifeworkshops.com. We hope to see you there. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.